jambalaya and justice, personality and pokeballs, lingua and love, the Help Yourself Podcast, where in every episode, Brian and Nick invite you to help yourself to bite-sized philosophy. Welcome to Help Yourself. Food and Philosophy with Brian and Nick. I'm Nick. And I'm Brian. And we're going to talk about stuff. <laughs> so today we went out and got Top Pokey? Top yeah. Poke? Poke Bowl. Top Poke Bowl. Or Teop. Like, they haven't made up their mind yet. It's funny. It's great. We get the whole illusion of healthy food, but in large quantities. <laughs> And if we don't like what we got, it's our fault because we chose every single ingredient. Today I chose well and not poorly. Keep eating. I will. <laughs> well, what did you get in your bowl? Mm. Salmon and tuna. White on rice. Yeah, I said it that way on purpose. Okay. And a lot of green, so I like cilantro, mm-hmm. more cilantro, jalapeno, the the lettuce that comes with it, I guess, um, avocado, and then I got garlic you, and seeds. You paid extra for the avocado, huh? Yes. Nice. Yeah. You. I don't know that you can go anywhere and not pay extra for avocado. That is true. <laughs> and I think the uh, the ahi tuna was extra too. No, yeah. it shouldn't. Usually, in a large bowl, you get three selections of meat, and you could, those can be cooked or raw or anywhere in between. Yeah, but I think ahi tuna was a dollar more each time you get. Was it? Mm-hmm. Huh. I don't know. <laughs> I never. Re- I've never realized that before. Ah. Well, every time I've been there, my yeah. bowl's almost the same as yours, though. I got white rice, uh, cilantro, and jalapeno, pickled ginger, two. Servings of the seaweed salad, which I really love. Mm. I got salmon, tuna, and spicy salmon. That's my three meat selections. Spicy mayo on the top, which looks a lot like yum yum sauce, but I don't I don't know. They have yum yum sauce on their menu as all as well, so I don't know if that what the difference is there. And then wonton pieces as my crunchy on the top of it. So it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's very, like you said, I think everything in here is pretty healthy until I poured, like, a gigantic amount of spicy mayonnaise on the top of it. (laughs) Yeah. I think mayonnaise is good for you, though. Like, you know, they keep going through these different Mm -hmm. fad diets, and it's like every five and a half years or something, they, they say, oh, fat is bad for you. And then they say, oh, sugar is bad for you. Oh, what's the other one? Cholesterol. Salt. salt. Yeah, salt, salt, sugar, fat. Those are like the mm-hmm. three things we're evolutionarily addicted to. You know, the high, what was naturally high caloric density. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had the whole feast or famine stuff going on. And we're nomadic and hunter gatherers and so forth. But I think the only one that actually is a problem is sugar. Like, Fat seems refined, to be refined sugar. Refined sugar, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, if you have fiber coupled with uh, the sugar and, and fruit and such or vegetables and your, your gravy. Yeah. And, of course, I'm, you know, I am a licensed nutritionist. I've, <laughs> I've, I've did the elective for <laughs> health and fitness and home ec in middle school. And I think I had a required elective in college at some point, but I took fitness. So. Yeah, but I think that... <laughs> I am qualified to make these statements. I will say, at least, at least if you take... At least if you're... What am I trying to say here? I think if you're at least paying attention and you read articles and you are making an effort, then you're probably more knowledgeable than the average person that's not paying attention, if that makes sense. I know that mm-hmm. sounds really stupid, but the idea is... I feel like I've like I've been on a diet in some way, shape, or form since I was in seventh grade because I've always had an issue with my weight, mm. and so I've been exposed to like how do you maintain your weight? How do you have a good relationship with food? How do you balance lifestyle with eating? And how do you what's physical fitness have to do? So I've read like a lot of things, not not taking anything away from nutritionists or whatever, but I've been with me my whole life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in terms of Knowing what I need to do, I feel like I do, um, but it's one of those things. I will say, getting back to the mayo thing, I love mayonnaise. Like it's one of my favorite things. I know that's <laughs> that's a terrible thing, but I do like I like quality mayo. Uh, but as far as one of the things that I've read recently about fat, like high fat. I mean, mayonnaise is basically 100% fat. Right, maybe like, a little protein. Maybe a little egg, bit. Yeah, right? but like the majority of it is fat, right? And what I have read about it, because I've read some things, my, my, mo- my mother was diagnosed like pre-diabetic. And so one of the things that they say about fat sources is that it's neutral in terms of blood sugar. So you ingest mm-hmm. it, it goes in your body, and it passes through your body and it absorbs whatever nutrients it can out of it. But it doesn't raise or lower your blood sugar in any way. Which is good if you think about it. If you're dieting, in my opinion, like the way to really feel like not get those super like I'm starving moments is if your blood sugar stays relatively even. So mm-hmm. if you have a higher fat diet, then you're going to be ingesting the same amount of calories, but your blood sugar is going to stay more level and you're not going to get these like moments of panic, you know, where you're like, I have to eat something right now and I'm starving. Like, mm-hmm. and you're just going to eat whatever's in front of you. So, so it helps in both ways, not only with diabetes or with blood sugar monitoring, but with dieting as well, because you're trying not to eat you're trying to be in control of what you're eating. So so that's the way I'm justifying eating a lot of mayo. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard that the body processes ingested fat as building blocks for the brain. Like you make mm. neurotropic factor and you know the g- growth hormones in the brain to make new neurons and so forth. Um, and it doesn't like store fat as fat. Right, it, it your body is a conversion machine. It doesn't take something and make the same thing out of it. So it's not going to take cholesterol and make cholesterol. It's not going to take sugar and make sugar. It's going to take sugar and make glucose or fat. It's going to take fat and build material out of the thing that in your body that's mostly fat, your brain. Um, but yeah, if you if you eat cholesterol, it doesn't convert into cholesterol and plaque in your veins Mm. that's the cholesterol and plaque you built from what you ate but if you eat the cholesterol from bacon 
that's the cholesterol that was made from the cows that and the pigs that the stuff it ate. Well, yeah, and that plays out too with people who have high cholesterol that don't eat a high cholesterol. They just genetically have high cholesterol. Mm-hmm. There's people who eat a very low cholesterol diet because their doctor said, well, you have high cholesterol, so eat a low cholesterol diet. So they don't eat anything that's high in cholesterol, no saturated fats. They try to limit all that. And I'm talking about people that legitimately, they aren't like lying to their doctor, of course. But sometimes genetically it won't, They ha- you have to have some kind of medication to bring that down. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. something that is built into us from the beginning of time or not, but, or if it's just a, mo- a, f- a fixture of the modern society. But I know that there are some people who are like, yeah, I tried with my diet and I ate no cholesterol and it didn't do anything to my blood cholesterol levels. So, you right. know, when I hear my latest, uh, pseudoscientific theory. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. If it's pseudoscientific and it's coming from you, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so I heard about this, principle called the venturi principle wait what's it called venturi okay if, if i remember right i may be butchering that entirely okay but the idea it's it's how jet engines work and how um you know when you're using a garden hose you put your thumb over the, mm-hmm. the output and it sprays like really fast high pressure as if it was a nozzle um it's because the smaller the space something has to flow through the higher the pressure right right and that's why you have like in blood vessels you get high blood pressure. One of the reasons people have high blood pressure is because plaque is building up in their blood mm-hmm. vessels, and there's a smaller space uh, for the blood to flow. Mm-hmm. So it's higher pressure, right? Well, what about smaller people? They're going to have smaller veins and therefore have a higher than average blood pressure. Or um, also smaller people, or just people with smaller veins, right? They'll have... They might be normal size, but for whatever reason have smaller sure. veins. They might have higher than average blood pressure. Um, yeah, that's kind of my, I guess, working theory or thought on all that. That the plaque buildup isn't the only reason someone might have constricted flow and high pressure in their veins. But it's I wonder really the, the whole thought of it. I wonder how much that is involved. Like, is do like for instance, if you have a smaller person with smaller theoretically smaller veins isn't the heart also smaller right isn't it like Mm. isn't it like scaled that's that's probably the least scientific word i can find scaled (laughs) scaled to their size but all i'm saying is that a person that's a smaller person is going to have a smaller heart that's going to have that's going to match to the size of their veins if that makes sense right that's generally true i would say that's so um but then there's also people with large hearts or then there's the grinch who's Artist, two sizes too small. I go with the the uh, Tin Man. No mm. heart at all, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just has a fuel pump. Nobody ever <laughs> thinks about the fuel pump. So that that's a great point. I appreciate you thinking of that. I think it adds a third variable though into the theory, and that there's another thing that could be larger or smaller than usual. Right. All right. Oh, yeah. So you could have a big heart and small mm-hmm. veins and have mm-hmm. a very high blood pressure mm-hmm. in theory, or a very active heart mm-hmm. and it's just pumping more than others. Um, that really large people often have that trouble 
and that's often the thing that kills them is is heart problems because they have a normal human sized heart, mm-hmm. but the rest of them is really large, right. and so their heart's trying to work harder and harder mm-hmm. and harder than most others to pump all the blood throughout the entire system, and it wears out faster because it's working yeah. harder. Uh, yeah. I wonder if that translates to dogs, too. Because you know how dogs, small dogs, live longer? And large dogs mm. don't live as long? Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's any parallel there. Could like, be. A, like a larger dog just has a system that doesn't last as long. I don't know. We talked about dog lifespan we did? before, haven't we? That's weird. I feel like we if have. We... <laughs> that's, the, that's the kind of subject. Based on that's, the size. That's kind of... Like, broad amount of subjects we've talked about. Right. <laughs> it's like, welcome to the Dog Lovers Podcast. <laughs> we just decided to put that hat on today. You never know where this is going to go. I mean, <laughs> you tune in and you're like, what are they going to be talking about today? I don't know. I don't think they know either. Same thing they talked about last week. <laughs> Although, we, I mean, we could have talked about that, you know, outside of the podcast. Or Ages ago. Maybe it was somebody else I was saying it to and... They are like you, and I feel familiar <laughs> and at home in their presence. Mm. So one one of the things that we talked about this weekend mm-hmm. uh, in our Toastmasters Club was regrets. Like, that was the theme of the meeting. Yeah. And I think our Toastmaster might have regretted being Toastmaster because with the holidays and weather and so forth, it just turned out to be a lightly attended meeting in fact i got recruited to give a speech if i was so inclined mm-hmm. i did not have a pocket to speech i was not didn't have anything pre-written out ready to go just waiting for someone to ask me it was literally an impromptu speech yes so uh, i wanged it winged it wanged wang wang i don't don't say it's you like, wanged it that's well you know I'm, <laughs> if you if you ring versus rang wing versus wang right i think what i wad it wad it what? <laughs> what are you talking about? So I, I, I winged it. Right. And I feel like I did a really good job. In fact, they told me I did better than I normally do because I'm so, like, thoughtful and have very little vocal variety, which is hilarious to me that I think I can do podcasting with such terrible vocal variety. But this is a great chance for me to get better at it. At any rate... I, I had smooth transitions, I flowed, and I just chose to talk about regrets. Since that was the theme of the meeting, mm-hmm. I didn't have anything else to talk about. And it's amazing when you have that kind of deadline and, a, and a, something to focus on, and you're tuning everything else out around you, understandably, right? No, nobody's expecting you to, to tune in to them right? because you're trying to be ready to be on when it's your time. You come up with some really interesting things, I think, like... Stuff that I must have known, or maybe everyone knows, and I just now finally figured it out, or I don't know what. But um, what I kind of centered around was there's this thing that Stephen Covey talks about, you know, in Seven Habits of Highly Effective mm-hmm. People, and there's like this training program I took part in once that there's a cycle that we all go through. It's the see, do, get cycle. Um, where 
we have these paradigms, right, that determines what we see, the, the lenses through which we see the world. We talk about people having rose-colored rose glasses. They're happy and mm-hmm. ignorant. Ignorance is bliss. But there's all kinds of paradigms, right, presumptions we walk around with. And then what we see determines what we do because we act on those assumptions. We act on those preconceptions and the way we see things. And then we get results, right? So we see, then we do, then we get. Uh, regrets, in my mind, were where you get something you didn't want or you didn't expect. It's where that disconnect on that cycle of you've got something and it doesn't match your paradigm. Um, right. Or it, did, or it doesn't match what you do. Or it doesn't match what you did, right? Like there's been plenty. Some of my biggest regrets were where I knew what I needed to do. I knew what I wanted. Or let me back up. I know what I knew what I wanted. I knew what I needed to do to get there. And I didn't do it. Or I didn't do all of it. And then I didn't get what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And granted, maybe I could have done all the things I knew I could or should do to get what I wanted. There's a, like that small chance you don't get it because you can do everything right and still fail, right? Like you could make all the follow all the right strategies in the stock market and not get the right results, but you wouldn't have any regrets because you knew you did what you needed to do to increase best increase your chances of success. And when you don't do that, that's one of the great ways to get regrets. Like if our listening audience could see pictures of us, they would know that I do not have six-pack abs. I have quite the opposite. And there's some disconnect, right? Let's assume for the moment that I want six-pack abs. I don't have six-pack abs. And I have regrets in place of, (laughs) in between. And those regrets could be that I don't know what I need to do. Mm. You know, maybe I don't know enough about nutrition. Come and call back to what we were talking about before. Or exercise, uh, food choices in general, self willpower, self discipline. Do I really want six pack abs? Am I willing to do what it takes to get that? Am I willing to learn what I need to learn to get that? Uh, am I willing to put whatever practices and habits in place to get that? Apparently not. <laughs> so. If I have regrets, there's still that disconnect. Like, to some extent right now, I don't have any regrets. Now, if I have a heart attack, then I might have more regrets because I'm getting even less of what I want based on my behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's, it was kind of this fun sort of thought experiment. This isn't, like, verbatim what I was saying in my speech, but it it did fall along the lines of whenever you feel regret, whenever you feel sadness over what has happened in the past... It's because your body and brain is trying to tell you that something was insufficient to get you what you wanted. And it's that opportunity, it's, that, it's your time then to take that emotion and let that be your motivation. You know, emotion, like to make motion, um, to figure out what that disconnect is. Figure out what the gap is. Yeah. Rather than just sit with it and feel bad and go, oh, it's me. Yeah. It's... We we are our biology has us moving on, moving forward, making things better, not wallowing in our past experiences. Well, and I think that <clears throat> that's where I was gonna I'll pick up where you just left off, which is 
if you look at it on the continuum of things that you could be thinking about, there's only three things or categories of things that you could be thinking about in my opinion. That's things that happened in the past, things that are happening right now as we speak, or what's going to happen in the future. There's only mm-hmm. those three things. And all things, you know, whether it's an action or somebody else or something else, all of those fall into one of those categories. And to me, regret is... I think I actually gave a speech at some point where I talked about this, this at least this, my theory on this, is that it's similar to yours. It's just that regret is... I believe a, a, what you what you said, which is wallowing in the past. It's mm. something that you're you're looking back and saying, ah, "I wish that it was this. I wish it was that. I, whatever that might be." And you used mm-hmm. it in the context of a physical thing for yourself. But many times people talk about regret in terms of like when my father passed away. You know, he passed away very suddenly when he was fifty-two. Mm-hmm. So, do I have regrets about? My relationship with him, yes. I was a young kid. I was 19 when he died. So I hadn't even really developed an adult with like adult on adult relationship with my father. Mm-hmm. So I was still sort of just uh, meandering through life trying to figure out what I was going to do when he was gone. And so the regret that I have and the regret that I look back on is, gosh, I wish that it was this way, but no amount. Uh, the, then, you, then you always come to that age old thing of, no amount of wishing, no amount of anything is going to change that. Whether that's whether mm-hmm. it's six-pack abs, like I, w- I wish – what you're saying when you say I wish I had six-pack abs is you're saying I wish I had six-pack abs right now. So you're saying I wish I had something right now in the moment, in the present, right mm-hmm. now. But in order to get that, you ha- you're having to look back and going, well, you're, you're transposing that into – well, if I would only done more sit-ups and if I would only done my diet – the way that it was supposed to be and lost the body fat so that you could see my abs or all of the other things that you could have done to get what you wanted to get. So the bottom line is you can wish it and you can say, I should have done this. I should have, I mean, and and actually uh, to quote another big, uh, big name in self-help is Wayne Dyer. And he always says, you know, he, or he was, he used to say, you know, you can should yourself to death. I think mm-hmm. he was. I think he coined that phrase, but he basically said you can. Actually, the the phrase that he did say was, uh, you, you, can, "You can never should have done anything." Mm-hmm. It's like what is a once should? it's done, it's done, and no amount of you saying I should have done this and I should have done that is going to make it mm-hmm. be so in the present. But it's like that's a that's the first step in a necessary process. And people don't take the next step, right? Like you, mm. you're like, okay, I wanted, I wanted to have X by now, yeah. and I don't have that either. Whether that's a you know a relationship with my father, um, or six pack abs, or anything where you wish, you find yourself wishing, and you're lacking, kind of blaming your past self for not setting your s- current self up for success. Well. Your present self is the past self of your future self. <laughs> wow. Self, self, self. <laughs> Wait, right? your present self is the past self of your future self. 
I'm still thinking about that. Yeah, take your time. I need some more of this good fatty fish to make my brain work better. Fish Wait, oil. Omega threes. <laughs> Come on, omega threes. Don't fail me now. <laughs> okay, I get so, it. yeah. Yeah, you, you can spend all your time blaming your past self, but you could also be flipping that coin, right? Turning that coin over and saying, you know what? I'm gonna be doing what I need to do now to set my future self up. And not let my future self be the victim of my behavior that I am now being of my past behavior. And you know what you should have done, right? So all you got to do is change that from should to will. Mm -hmm. I will do this. I I should exercise or I should have exercised. I will exercise. I should have told this person how I felt. I will tell them how I feel. And even if you can't go back into the past or if you can't communicate with that person anymore, you still have current surrogates, right? You still have people who mean something to you now. Maybe not even the same. It's not a one-to-one you know, translation between, say, like you and your dad or me and my puppy, <laughs> me and my last job, my last boss. Maybe my boss is still alive and there's things I could have, should have said to him or her way back when but I have a I have a boss now right or I have even if I'm my own boss I can be the boss <laughs> I need to be and do all those things that I should have done now for the future yeah I think that where I always come back to whenever I talk about this subject or think about this subject is mm-hmm. I try to figure out the meaning of well, for me, in order to process something, I have to be able to apply it to me, like, and not me, not selfishly. I mean, I have to be able to say, like, how does that fit into my life? Right. And so the thing that I'm talking about is the live in the moment thing. The live, that's the, that's what this sort of is leading to, which is you have to be present at the present. Otherwise, none of it happens. If you're never present at the moment, in the moment, then you're never going to get anything in the future and you're probably going to regret a lot of things that happened in the past because the future is just going to pass by the present and it's become it's going to become the past. And if you haven't done anything, if you haven't focused on the present moment in order to make the change that you need to make in order to get to the future of what you want, then that becomes the past and then it becomes regret. So then you go from wishing to regret you just keep going back and forth and I wish this or I regret mm-hmm. that I wish this I regret that I wish this I regret that and it's like it seems it's very it's very confusing I think because the the present moment is fleeting so what I just did a second ago is now history I can't take it back and that's constantly happening happening Mm -hmm. every single second that ticks by but the future you don't know necessarily how long the future is but most people are going to say especially like you know we're we're in our well i'll speak for myself i'm in my mid 40s so i'm going to assume that i've got a few years left you know at least i know how much i have in the past you know from the time i was in existence to the time i had my first memory to now so all of that is seems like such a larger thing and it's much easier to focus on because it's such a larger amount of time. Whereas that's, that people are like, well, so you want me to focus on this thing for one second and that's being in the moment is going to help me somehow? 
So it becomes confusing to people when they want to boil it down. And so I feel like it's not necessarily the moment. And I mean, maybe that's an oversimplification in terms of like one second at a time. But, you know, you're talking about for the next hour, I'm going to focus on this thing, whatever that is. And I think that's part of the just to make another connection. And you'll actually be very comfortable with this, I think. And it's probably near and dear to your heart is the reason why writing things down and journaling is important is because you're doing that in the present. So it's an action you're taking in that one second, writing that one word, and maybe you take 15 minutes and you write 300 words in a journal, Mm -hmm. and you bullet point them and say, here's my goals, things like that. And people, there's all these people that say, oh, there's magic in writing things down and all this stuff. No, all all writing things down is it, it makes you forget about the future and the past in some way, shape, or form. And it makes you focus on that, even though you're not actually, like for instance, in your example, you're not actually like doing the sit-ups to get the abs. You're not actually changing your diet to get the abs. You're not actually developing better relationship with food. You're not doing anything that is actually going to get you to your goal. But you're writing it down, so you're focusing on, you're narrowed down to the present, and you have... And I think, importantly, what you present just... Present and future. Present and future, but, mm-hmm. what, but what does that do, though, based on what we've just been talking about? It takes away regret. Right. You can't regret the future. Nobody regrets the future. It doesn't work that way. You don't yeah. say, man, I regret what's going to happen to me tomorrow. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Well, you can only say, oh, I hope this doesn't happen tomorrow. And right. so, but the way that you stop it from happening is you write it down. Or you say, you have some way in the present moment to try to do everything you can do in your power to make sure that the thing you hope doesn't happen tomorrow doesn't happen tomorrow. See? So you say, I hope that I hope that I work out tomorrow. Or I hope that I hope I don't have at this, I'll put it in the negative. I hope I don't skip the gym tomorrow. Right. Well okay. Right when that thought is in your head and you're writing it down or you're thinking about that, you're like, okay, I'm gonna pack my gym bag right now. I'm gonna get everything that I can do in my control to get me to the gym tomorrow. That's what I'm gonna do right now. So again, what is it doing? It's pulling you back to the present. It's mm-hmm. pulling you back to what's happening right now. And you're not regretting anything. You're actually proactively acting on some and trying to develop a habit in order to get what you want in the future. So Sure. I mean that's a pretty good that's a pretty big I mean that's it's not like any kind of like super breakthrough or anything like that, but in order for me to understand things like that, I have to and I think a lot of people too, even like if you read the was it Deepak Chopra, The Power of Now? Is that, uh, is it Deepak Eckhart Tolle? Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So I think when people read things like that, they tend to oversimplify them and try to go, so what are you saying? I just like do the, I, I right. can't think about the past and the future? That's ridiculous. It's like, no, it's not. We're not saying don't pass. Because I think regret serves its purpose. Regret is, I've, I think, and we've talked about this before, definitely not on the podcast, but Regret is some level of you feeling like you failed at something. Right. Which may or may not be true. Which may or may not be. It's your perception. (laughs) It's you feeling like you Mm -hmm. felt you you failed at something. So the idea is, in my opinion, what does failure do for you? Or what, what should you be doing when you have perceived failure or failure is taking that and going, okay, what am I supposed to learn from that? Because then if you don't, it's sort of the people you've already mentioned which is or which are the people that continue to do the same thing and they get the same result 
and they're mad their whole life right. and they're full of regret and they're full of bitterness. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, if you continue down that path, it's that, I mean, the old age old definition of insanity. It's like doing the same thing over and over, tr- expecting a different result and you're not getting it. Well, here's another quote drop. Of, yeah. Uh, yes. Maya, I love quote Ma- drops. Maya Angelou. That, oh, yeah, my you know, when, and I'm going to paraphrase it or butcher it depending on how you feel about what I'm about to say in, in my Angelo. But so when, once you knew better, you did better. Right. And I think that's that's sort of like this positive way of turning that regret around. It's just one of the little tricks you can pull to reduce your regret and to shift more to that future focus. Right. That. You, to some extent, the reason you failed is you didn't know better, and you can stop, take inventory, and learn that lesson of well, what was, where was the disconnect? What assumption did I make that was incorrect, or what did I think I know that I didn't know? Um, I think it is a bit of an oversimplification, though, because there are times where you know better and you don't do better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's your inner child just throws a temper tantrum and you get in. Uh, well, I have so, that. I have that issue with, with food. Yeah, I have a codependent relationship with food. By the way, my, my, <laughs> <laughs> no, my relationship with food is that exactly is that. My brain is like, I want to eat whatever I want to eat and not have any consequence for that. Sure. I don't want to think well, about your adolescence didn't do you any favors, right? There was a time in your life where you could eat what you wanted to eat and not have any consequences for it. <laughs> Um, what do you mean? Oh, I'm sorry. You were, you just got through talking about how you've always had Mm. trouble with, with diet and and size and such. Yeah, no. I was just thinking for lots of people. Yeah, and that's, I wish. Adolescents had high metabolism, right? And that's the, that's the, the, like I said, that's the issue is that it's, it's, that one is not a regret for me it's a that's almost like a like you said it's my inner inner child having a temper tantrum going like but i want to eat all the oreos and i want to eat like just pizza every day and i want to eat and i don't want to have to limit i don't have to think about it i don't have to count it i don't want to have to do with any of those things but i think part of that is you only have those tantrums when you think you're being singled out like when you think that you're somebody who has an issue that nobody else has and or at least very few people so you're like oh it's unfair that's what that to me that's what that is it's like you're like i have a perception in my life like well most people like people i go to the gym with i'm like oh they can eat whatever they want like that guy's in that guy's in shape and all this stuff but i bet if i trailed them for a day and watched what they ate their calories in and calories out is just like anyone else's they're either keeping them equal and they're not gaining weight or they're keeping them lower so that they lose weight. But at the very least, they're not, you know, there are some differences, I think, in metabolism. Like certain people have a better, more athletic build and stuff. But sure. I think that's a very small, I think we blow that way out of proportion. I think that's not the major thing that happens. I think people use that as an excuse. I could use it as an excuse too and say, oh, my metabolism just doesn't work right. So I guess I'll just always be fat, you know. Um, not that I'm like super fat. So don't think that podcast people, but, <laughs> but, 
but I'm a typical I'm a, overweight American. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm a jolly, uh, jolly-ish kind of guy. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I really do think that that's, and it doesn't have to be about food. That can be about that tantrum can be about anything. And I, I've, I really think that if you go that to an extreme, that becomes. When, when the extreme level of that is nothing's fair to me, so the whole world is unfair to me, that's the victim mentality in, right. in a nutshell, is I never get a fair shake, no matter what it is. Everybody else has it easier than I have it. And other people don't have to deal with these problems, and other people just have it together, and they're smarter than me and all these things. But one of the things my wife does many times with me is when I say something like that, when I say, oh, I don't, just wish I didn't have to deal with these issues. And she's like, everyone deals with these issues. Some people hide it better than others. But the point is, everyone deals with all these issues at some point. There, mm-hmm. There's nobody that's, there's nobody that, well, I mean, most people. But yeah, it's like a grab bag of 50 issues and everybody gets 15. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's fun, most fun grab bag ever. <laughs> it's the, <laughs> It's like, the fail oh, fun day. Oh, good. Overweight your whole life. Yay. <laughs> I got allergies. Awesome. Oh, lucky. Yay. Oh, I wish I got allergies. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm never going to get a great job. Oh, that's awesome. I grew like... up in a poverty stricken nation. <laughs> exactly. Poor fella. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess my like the point is that it's it becomes if you la- if you allow that and you really do believe, like, yeah, everybody else has got it easier than I do, then you will shut down. You'll at some mm-hmm. point you'll just say, "Well, because here's here's the well, opposite of that." To some extent, yeah, to some extent, those people in the victim mentality are still living in the moment. They're looking at now, and you know they're looking at say Elon Musk or Bill Gates or whoever you want to look at who is mm-hmm. a ton, ton of success, right? And they're just looking at now and saying that's not fair. He, he or she has more than me. Never mind all the others who have mm-hmm. even less, right? Or less inconvenience or more inconvenience or whatever. But they're not looking at the past, their individual past that led up to their current situation. Um, the, the work or the luck mm-hmm. or both. And they're not looking at the problems that they too had that they overcame either through luck or through work mm-hmm. <laughs> or both. And they're just wallowing in their present with that past perspective. Like I think part of what you were talking about as far as living in the moment and the, understanding the power of now is to do that with a slight bend towards the future. Like have you heard of uh, The One Thing? I think it's by Gary Keller. No. Mary's a... A bigger fan of it than I am, uh, but I'm I'm a fan, and it's it's this practice of focusing on the one thing, and the one thing can be different for anybody and everybody. I think she did a speech about that. I'm I'm sure she did, um, but just to distill it down for everyone's attention spans here, <laughs> it the idea is you ask yourself, what's the one thing I can do, such that by doing it everything else becomes easier or unnecessary. And it works in the immediate context, like when you're trying to think about what am I going to do today? Or, you know what? Uh, an appointment I had 
canceled on me last minute. Mm-hmm. I have an hour and a half to spare. What's the one thing I can do right now that'll make everything else easier or unnecessary? You're not even taking the time to wallow in the in consideration of the person who canceled on you. You're looking at what can I do now that would make my life even better than it already is, mm-hmm. or or tolerable, more tolerable than it is if if you have that negative bent. But you can also use it for future planning, and ask yourself. What's the one thing I can do in the next five years such that by doing it, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary? And you can even take it contextually. What's the one thing I can do for my family that will make everything else with them easier or unnecessary? And so on and so forth. It could be family, it could be career, all those things. So you can, it's almost like this lens, this tool in your toolkit that you can use both for a long term thinking and short-term thinking. Uh, it helps zero in on the ac- action, not what's the one thing I can research. I mean, granted, research has a place, and sometimes what you're doing is research, but it has this bias towards action, which I like, that what's the one thing I can do? And you have to do mental gymnastics to figure out a way to, to go into analysis paralysis after asking yourself that yeah, question. Yeah, that's, that's the biggest issue for me is one of the big issues. I don't want to... It'll take up too much time to talk about all the issues. But, uh, <laughs> all my biggest issues. But the, Maybe that's the name of our podcast. All the big issues. All my biggest issues. <laughs> <laughs> but the that analysis by paralysis, the, the or paralysis by analysis, I should say. You said it wrong and you made me say it wrong. You're welcome. So... <laughs> no, I, side I mean, sto- no, side story. My dad said the word artichoke. He would always joke around and say the word architoke. He would say architoke, architoke. <laughs> oh, look at those architokes over there. Hey, we're going to eat some architokes for dinner. And for probably a period of a year, I couldn't figure out how to say it. I was like, arch, ar- no, arch, how do you say arch? Like I no, could not no. get it straight. Artichoke? No, yeah, exactly. Archichoke? No. Ar- anyway, Ar-ch-toke. that uh, thinking about too many things and the action thing that you're talking about is – I think the the way the only way that I've found to combat that analysis paralysis by analysis. So yeah, to almost do it again. There's analysis paralysis. Yeah, and I just twisted it. Paralysis by said, analysis. Yeah. Oh, you put a by in there. Okay. Whatever. Anyway, so it's so much analysis. There's two analysis. <laughs> right. Let me. Hey, let's just <laughs> take a moment and analyze this. Okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you overthink <laughs> about overthinking. Is that like? Oh, I've thinking, done it. I can do it. Is that thinking raised to the fourth power? Is that is that what that is? So, <laughs> no, the action thing though is is it ha- the crazy thing is that actions have varying levels of the ability to combat that issue because mm-hmm. what I talked about before, and I think Stephen Covey actually getting back to what you were talking about with Stephen Covey, I think Stephen Covey actually talks about when you take action on something it needs to be actual action it can't be just like preparatory action like you can't because that doesn't get you any closer to your goal like writing something down and saying i'm going to do this is one thing that it's a necessary thing but that doesn't actually get you out of any cycle because you can you can continually write things down like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to do this, and then you just don't do it. And then right. the next day you're like, tomorrow I'm going to do that, and you don't do it. And you, So you have to like actually 
do the work. Yeah. And the the key to it is this. I think this is that taking a larger action and breaking it down into like the most minuscule it's that baby steps thing that people talk about in self-help and Dave Ramsey talks about it in paying off debt, but there's baby steps. So the idea is if you get paralyzed in your analysis of what am I going to do and how am I going to do this and who, who, you know, who's going to help me and what's going to, the best thing to do is figure out the smallest possible thing at the very beginning of that process and do that. Right. And sometimes that will actually it's like, get. What's what is the literally what is the least I could do? Right, it's that the, counts as progress. I'm gonna write a book. What's the least I can do? <laughs> the what? So, <laughs> Self help with Brian. What is the least I so, can do? So there's a, getting things done by David Allen talks about oh, yeah, the GTD. next yeah next thing next action right like that's sort of the the paradigm there, but it, I almost like this. Least action. So right. you're, you're going to take the one thing. What's the one thing I can do that's next <laughs> that is as little as possible that's progress towards my stated goal? And that right? has to be something that you truly want. Well, it has to oh. be something that you – yeah, it has to be something you truly want. But it also has to be something only you can determine. So, for instance, as an example of this. Let's say that you determine, okay, well, here's the first step in this process. It's like get – I don't I don't even know in a good example. Just let's say the first step is going to take 30 minutes. I'll just break mm-hmm. down in like time, okay? And for some reason, you get hung up and you're not doing it. It's 30 minutes. You're not getting through – you're not even getting through the minute one. You're not starting that 30-minute process. I feel like that's your signal – that that chunk that you decided, that first little thing, the least I can do, is too big. So you're, you haven't graduated sure. to a 30-minute assignment yet. Right. You need to say, okay, what can I do in the next five minutes mm-hmm. that will – so you go, you keep going down until you get to the place where you say, okay, I can do that. I can do five – like the minute that you can say, I can do that with right. without hesitation, that's your first starting level. Right. And you got to go from there. And unfortunately, everybody is different. And honestly, the – People that, I mean, as you know, like anything that you do, you start out really terrible at it. There's no, there's just no way around it. Like people don't just start out as experts in things. You have to build up to and, you know, use habits and use other things and other tools in order to get someplace. Well, Brian, I'm really glad that you're going on this rant and I hate to interrupt it, but I just had to say so because I don't know if maybe you saw me light up when you, you talked about breaking things down because that, that was something I was going to ask that we tear into if you know we could so keep, yeah keep going keep going no no that's I, I was just I guess the end of that point was just that it's such a personal thing that you know I've read you and I have both read probably com- collectively thousands of hours of self-help and li- read and listened to right of, of quote self-help books and look what it's done for no sorry <laughs> and all of them pointed towards let's do a podcast and, and I, I do love the fact that we're we're sitting around talking about doing things right exactly. <laughs> it's like sitting around talking about it isn't going to get you anything right it says the guy sitting around talking about it <laughs> with the guy who's just sitting around talking about it yeah but you never know maybe somebody's listening to a podcast and they're they got it in their earbuds and they're being productive and right 
So or it inspires them to to turn this thing off and go and actually do it, no 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 yeah no, they should never inspire people to when, turn. That is exactly what we want to do. We want to yeah. talk ourselves out of a job, <laughs> you know, the job we're not getting paid for right. or have sponsorship for or, or have an audience for. <laughs> <laughs> It's the two guys talking to themselves podcast <laughs> with Brian and Nick. So what? So what were you? What were you going to dig into in terms of? Well, I guess just the thought of like how to how to break things down. So, hmm. and maybe we need to get into some specifics. Um, I know the, one of the cliches I always hear, so I'd like to avoid it, but I will talk about the cliche while we maybe think about an alternative. Is writing their book. Like the the classic, you know, like the war of art Mm -hmm. or any kind of YouTube self-help. And they talk about this kind of stuff. They talk about, let's say you want to write a book. Okay, well, you need to write the first chapter, right? And you need to write the first paragraph. And you need to spend an hour every day, you know, set set yourself a daily habit of writing just 100 words per day. They can be crappy words. And that's such like... I can only hear that so much before I've extracted all the value out of it when I don't, I personally don't want to write a book right now. And it doesn't even help me all that much when I think about, well, what if I wanted to write a book? So I'm hoping that we can come up with, you know, off the cuff, extemporaneously, while we're being recorded, (laughs) some new and better example of how to break a project down. Something that, I don't know, the average Joe might be interested in, or what's crazy to me about that is that start, starting a business. Well, or here's the crazy thing: I, when I was talking about that, my like my thought in my head is that you're really awesome at that because I've seen you. Surprise look on my face, y'all. You couldn't see <laughs> yeah, that exactly. through, the, through the microphone. It's like really. Oh. <laughs> it's like what? Okay, <laughs> I had no idea. But no, you you are all you're constantly, well you're you're constantly writing things down, constantly you've got a pen and you're and you're thoughtfully, I mean you're really you're in the moment when you're doing that because you're listening you're taking that information in and then you're digesting it and it's coming out the end of your pen, and you've got that there. It's not the final digestion, but it's a you sure. have you have developed a way to digest material that comes in. And most of the time that I see you do that, you're doing that with regard to things that are projects, things that are thing, things that need to get done in an organization. I haven't seen you outside of Toastmasters, but uh, at least doing this outside of Toastmasters. But in Toastmasters, that's what you do. You're, you live in that. You live in that, okay, what do we have to get done? And then I see the way that I envision your brain... <laughs> <laughs> nice. The way that I the way that I see your brain working is that when you hear we need to get from point A to point B, your brain is like A sub sub chapter one, A sub chapter two, A sub chapter three, A sub chapter four, A chapter sub chapter five, until you get to B. Like in my my mind, your brain sort of automatically works that way, and you're like, okay, well, here's what that entails. And I I'll say that I'll take a little bit of credit. I know a lot about. Well, not for you. I'm not taking credit. For you. I'm not taking credit for you. I'm saying I don't mean I don't mean credit. I mean I'll say that I have I have a mind that does that somewhat. In that that's part of the things they teach you in law school is to spot. They call it spot issue spotting. So spot the issue. So 
you get you get a super creative well exactly yeah yeah we're creating yeah you know law school people lawyers are made for being creative you know Um, you guys should market that that's brilliant (laughs) but the idea is that you get a story you know you get something that you get some input and you're you have to figure out like where are the legal issues where are the you know here's this and here's this and here's this okay but each one of those legal issues has like a subchapter a subchapter b subchapter c so it's like almost like an outline so you're like okay personal injury law okay what happens if they you know are defamed so there's three elements to defamation there's this this and this okay this part of the story hits that element this part of the story hits that element and this part so you're very like your your brain is taught to like categorize things and not that that's exactly the same type of a skill but the way that I've I've come across that in my own business is just the processes of getting somebody from beginning to end so they come into my office and they say well I need to do this and I need to do life insurance and I need to do this and this well in my head when I hear life insurance I'm like okay I need to do an application and then I also need to have them sign this form and I also need to ask them like figure out what amount of life insurance they're going to get we have to apply for the right ones I have to you know do they have any health issues I need to get that so that if so I can accurately quote them what it might cost to get that life insurance but getting back to you I think that you I think that you uh, I don't know I don't know if you short shortchange yourself or not but like the way that I see you working through things is that you you know, you always write down like what point B you need to get to. You know what point A we're at, but you always write down the point B. But I feel like you are very logical in the way that you come through with, okay, well, we're going to need to deal with this issue. You may not know the answer. Like you might not say, oh, well, we're going to have to do this, this, and this. But you might say, okay, these are the issues that are involved in that. Right. Is we got to explore this issue. We've got to talk about this issue. And we've got to figure out about this issue. So I feel like that's a skill and it's a skill that's not, it's a skill that's learned. It's not mm-hmm. something that is like, well, you have it and I don't. You can sure. learn that skill. Well, and yeah, and I don't mean to imply that I'm terrible at this or I'm incompetent or anything like that. It is more along the lines of I was just excited about the prospect. I was, this is something that is such an interest of mine. I guess I have learned a thing or two, but I still expect and hope to learn more. So I saw this as an opportunity to hear how you do such things. Like what what little tricks you have for breaking down a big, hairy uncertainty of a project into smaller steps. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I appreciate the, the no, self-esteem no, yeah. and the, <laughs> yeah, no, the, no. the patting me on well, the back and such. But it was, yeah, it wasn't so much a, like I, I think I'm bad at something like that. It's just sure. it's a strong interest of mine i think that the biggest issue is being able to come at things with an open mind and that's like another cliche thing but and it doesn't even have to you know most things are well everything is neutral i mean every every piece of information you get is neutral definitely getting into the philosophy side of food and philosophy (laughs) we're we're done eating now if you haven't thought realized this brain food is kicking in brian can talk (laughs) so everything is neutral so everything left off everything is neutral you're just getting input and the only thing that changes that input to negative to positive to staying neutral is you it's your Mm -hmm. paradigm 
let's get back to Whoa. let's do a lock a callback way back. Ooh, yeah. I don't know how long ago, but so your paradigm, you're filtering everything through that. And oh gosh, that's a negative thing. I don't like that. Oh, I like that. That's good. I like the positive. I, I don't know how I feel about that. You know. Uh, so the biggest thing is being able to take that information and not make a judgment on it, and not say, "I know what the answer is," it, which is the weirdest thing, because you always. I think it's human nature to say, like, in your at least your brain wants you to like be able to pigeonhole something, and d- dismiss it very easily, and just say, "Yeah, that's the answer. It's just black and white. I've got it. I don't right. have to think about it anymore." Well. If that was the case, we wouldn't have this podcast because <laughs> philosophy is all about what what I, there is no black and white. There's nothing definite, right? So, and some people can't swallow that pill. It's way too big and it's way too bitter. So they're like, no, I need to be able to have some order by saying this is this and this is not that and that's how it is and I'm never re-exploring that and I don't need and don't give me any new information. So <laughs> that's a long way of saying I think that's the first step in the process is you have to adjust yourself in a way that is conducive to coming up with okay, here's what we can sure. go. We can explore these issues. So let's get something maybe a little more hands-on a little less abstract here yeah and think about a project that people might be faced with hosting a holiday event or picking out gifts should i go to the one that i think is harder yes (laughs) unfortunately that is all the awesome we were able to pack into a single episode we will resume the rest of this conversation next week stick around and be sure to subscribe to hear the rest of brian and nick Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Help Yourself, you can follow on Instagram at helpyourselfthepodcast. And to contact Brian and Nick, email helpyourself at brynick.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.